Hey everybody, it's Shaman Sister Sin, and you're listening to the Meditations and More podcast brought to you by BetterHelp.com and LittleShaman.org. That's me, Little Shaman. Today, I wanted to talk to you about something that is unfortunately very common with dealing with narcissists, and that is denial. Denial is a very primitive coping mechanism, and it is the main coping mechanism of pathologically narcissistic personalities. It actually shows up in the large majority of their toxic behavior in some way, even if it's difficult to see in some situations. Many people are familiar with the concept and the expression of denial in its most familiar and basic form. Denial is understood as refusing to admit or acknowledge something that's true. It usually looks something like, who broke this window? Oh, it wasn't me. Or, did you break this window? No, I did not. Many people might not realize, though, that denial isn't just denying something that's actually true, which is called denial of fact. It's also denial of impact, denial of responsibility, and denial of awareness. Denial of fact is the most straightforward type of denial in most situations. Most of the time, it's just saying flat out, no, that isn't true, or no, that didn't happen. It can be done a few ways that are a bit less straightforward, such as omitting things or changing them to reflect a different narrative, for example, but it's always the same thing. It's always essentially saying, no, I didn't do that. Denial of impact is denying the impact of actions, words, or situations, such as when someone says, oh, it wasn't that bad, or I barely touched you. It could also look like a reframing of a situation such as, but your dad loves you, or you act like I'm punching you. It's an attempt to minimize how bad a bad thing was, how much impact something had. It's essentially saying, I did do that thing, but it wasn't that bad of a thing. Denial of responsibility is denying responsibility for actions, such as when someone says, I was in a bad mood or I was drunk. It can also look like blaming responsibility for actions on other people, such as, I only did that because you did this, or I only hurt you because you provoked me. It's an attempt to distance the self from the actions and from accountability for the actions. It's essentially saying, I did do that, but it wasn't my fault and or I had no choice. Denial of awareness is denying awareness of actions, such as when somebody says, well, I don't remember that happening, or I was so tired or so drunk or so upset or whatever that I don't know what I said. It can also look like some kind of ignorance, such as, I didn't know that was wrong, or I didn't know you were going to get mad, or I didn't realize that would hurt you. It's an attempt to remove responsibility and therefore accountability for actions by claiming ignorance or by not being able to answer for them. It's essentially saying, I didn't even know I did that. As you've probably concluded, these things are omnipresent in narcissistic communication. Virtually all of their toxic behavior and a very large amount of their communication includes denial of some kind. There's another branch on the denial tree that we often see in narcissistic relationships as well called denial of the victim. This is the denial of a person's status as a victim, which is an attempt to distance the self from the wrongness of the actions and again to avoid accountability for them by saying that the actions against that person were not wrong and often that these actions were justified because the person deserved it somehow or is otherwise not a victim. Sound familiar? This is part of a sociological concept specifically regarding techniques of neutralization, but it works very well here also. 
Unlike other types of denial, which are mostly focused on avoiding both the reality of the situation and accountability by denying the narcissist's own actions and own responsibility in some way, this type of denial denies the narcissist's responsibility and avoids accountability by targeting the other person and their actions. It's saying, I did this, I'm aware that I'm responsible, but my actions were not wrong because this person's not a victim and therefore it's not wrong to hurt, attack, or cheat them somehow. This is the same mentality that is often used to justify hate crimes and violence that targets specific groups of people. The so-and-so people think the such-and-such people are doing something harmful to them or to society or to their way of life or whatever. Therefore, anything the so-and-so people might do to the such-and-such people is justified and not wrong because the such-and-such people are not actually victims. They're bad. Serial killers often use denial of the victim as well, claiming that their victims don't really matter because they're trash or they're harming society somehow or that the victim specifically attempted to harm them in some way. Many times in situations where people are utilizing denial of the victim to avoid accountability for their actions, the reason the other person is not considered a victim is often because they have been painted as the perpetrator somehow. This is very common in situations that involve narcissistic people and people in general who engage in violence or other types of antisocial behavior. They are actually the victim somehow and they're simply defending themselves or they're striking back for their community or some other narrative that advances the idea that the victim of their actions isn't really a victim. They are the victim. And in many situations, they claim to be the victim of the actual victim. Though it seems primitive and even infantile due to these very qualities, due to being infantile and primitive, in other words, this is often a successful strategy, which is what makes it so dangerous. It hits at a very deep, primitive place in people. The quickest way to garner support and avoid accountability for actions that harm other people is to play on the deep-seated ego belief that bad people deserve bad things to happen to them, that guilty people deserve to be punished. Scapegoating and, quote, othering people has historically played a huge role in some of the worst atrocities to have ever occurred in human history. If you can make someone seem bad enough, then at best, no one will care what happens to them, and at worst, people will actively support or even join in attacking them. This is how smear campaigning and scapegoating work in every situation, whether they involve millions of people, several people in a family, or just between two people in a relationship of some kind. The point of smearing and scapegoating is not just to make the other person look bad and guilty or feel bad and guilty, but to make them look bad and guilty to other people. This absolves the perpetrator of their actions because guilty people deserve what they get and bad people deserve bad things. For narcissists specifically, they need other people to believe in their performed and perpetuated narratives or they cannot believe in these narratives themselves, which becomes disastrous for their ability to regulate themselves. The narrative is that they are the victim at all times in everything. If people do not condone their actions, this can't be true. As we've discussed in other episodes of the show, narcissists need accomplices. They need people who either knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, can make their performed narrative into a reality. This really cannot be overstated. The participation of others is absolutely critical here. Without that, the narcissist is just a psychotic actor performing a ludicrous one-person play on stage in front of an empty house for an audience of nobody. If no one is there to both act as a prop to make the play more realistic and to believe in the performance itself, then the true audience cannot be convinced. And who is the true audience? 
Well, that's easy. Who do you think it is? Who is the only person narcissists are ever thinking about or doing anything for? Who is the only person who ever actually matters to these people? That's right, themselves. Other people are both the hat narcissists are wearing during their performance and the mirror they are using to see how they look in that same hat. Other people provide both the stage dressing to make the performance believable and the feedback that it is, in fact, believable. Without both of these key components, the performance fails. And as we've discussed in other episodes of the show, this performance is how the narcissist attempts to regulate themselves in the absence of a cohesive identity or a coherent, stable self-image. Denial, then, is the narcissist's primitive, infantile way of keeping this extremely fragile construct intact. They have constructed an identity they want to believe in and make as real as possible, but they can't without the participation of other people. Since human beings can't function without some kind of identity, this is very, very important. Denial is the only way narcissists have of combating the ever-present threat of reality. Narcissists are at war with reality. Reality is their most omnipresent enemy, besides themselves, of course. Because they are an illusion and because their entire existence is a created construct predicated on the ability to convince people that it's real, actual reality, meaning objective experience, is very threatening to these personalities because their constructed identity is usually not in any way reflective of actual reality of that objective experience. What does that mean? It means that who they pretend to be or say they are is not what people experience when dealing with them. People, of course, then present reflections of who the narcissist actually is and how they actually behave, which is extremely wounding to the narcissist. It threatens their narrative, which threatens their survival. So they deny it. They just claim that it's not true somehow. This is really the only defense they have, but in terms of actually being successful at defending anything, it's not a very good one. Simply denying something happened or denying that hurtful behavior was hurtful doesn't usually go over very well. Not only does it require mental gymnastics to engage in for themselves, it often looks delusional or ridiculous to other people. The level of denial narcissists engage in may in fact be one of the first things that causes the people around them to believe that the narcissist is mentally ill or have some kind of psychological problem, often because it's so extreme or so absurd. For example, narcissists may do or say something right in front of somebody and then deny it, even if it was like two seconds ago. This can be almost shocking to people, and they might just ignore it at first because they don't know how to react. This likely contributes to the quote-unquote success of denial as a defense mechanism. It just doesn't compute for people. People just cannot believe an adult person is doing that, and they don't know what to say or do in response, so they don't say or do anything. They can't really conceive of the fact that this is what's happening, so in many situations, they might assume that they are the ones who got things wrong. After all, why would another adult human being deny something in this way when it's so obvious? And why would they be so adamant about it if they're not telling the truth? Unfortunately, this is a mistaken reasoning. It's an understandable one, of course, but it can have serious impact on people if they don't realize what's happening. The reality is some adults will deny things in this manner and they will be adamant about it even though they're being dishonest because the stakes for them are very high, even if that makes no sense in the moment. These personalities cannot tolerate making even simple errors or little mistakes. They cannot accept or deal with being wrong even about very small or insignificant things. These seem like stupid reasons to engage in denial and to be perfectly frank, they are. That doesn't change how this works. Imagine then how much denial would need to be practiced in somebody's life if even the basic little mistakes and errors that people make every day were intolerable to them, let alone if they were also engaging in egregious intentional wrongdoings that harm other people or sabotage their own lives on top of that. 
it would need to be almost constant denial. The lives of narcissists seem to be in some ways nothing more than a complicated, desperate balancing act between all of their maladaptive, destructive, and toxic defense mechanisms and coping skills, the majority of which are primitive and don't work very well. Despite its reputation as some kind of sophisticated manipulation, which is due in part to its potentially devastating impact on other people, denial, even if it's more sort of advanced forms, is a very simplistic, childish defense mechanism. It is literally just insisting that reality is not true. That's all it is. Even small children, with their limited understanding and coping abilities, are capable of living in the real world for the most part. That tells us everything we need to know about these pathological personalities in many ways. They simply cannot handle the reality, the objective experience of life or of themselves at all. Gaslighting, blame shifting, projection, deflection, shame dumping, stonewalling, raging, the silent treatment, devaluation, discarding, and virtually every other behavior these personalities are notorious for are all expressions of denial in one way or another. Complicating the situation even further is the fact that they really do have psychological and emotional problems. Their perception really is affected. So their objective experience of events often legitimately will be different than that of other people as well. This makes it difficult to tell when they're lying and when they are genuinely wrong or mistaken. The truth is, though, it doesn't really matter. People sometimes think it does matter because they believe this means something in a moral or ethical sense, and perhaps it does, but in a practical sense, it doesn't matter at all. It changes nothing. In a normal situation, if someone is wrong or they're mistaken, they can be corrected and the situation can be resolved and or avoided, right, in the future. This does not happen with narcissists, and to believe it can is once again a mistake in reasoning. For these personalities, being caught being genuinely wrong or mistaken is likely worse than being caught lying. For narcissists, the world is a confusing, threatening, and dangerous place where they don't know many things and are therefore unable to competently protect themselves. Being wrong about anything is not just the absolute pinnacle of humiliation and shame. It's a reminder that they can't protect themselves, that they don't know things, and therefore it must be avoided at all costs. Mark Twain once said that it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them that they've been fooled. This is especially true for narcissistic personalities who feel the shame of being duped far more acutely than other people. The shame for narcissists in this context comes with fear. Fear that they don't really understand what's going on. Fear that they can't really navigate the world or the other people in it. Fear that they can't really see the dangers and are therefore vulnerable. Fear that they can't really protect themselves. Fear that people are going to find out how truly inept and incompetent they are. This shame and fear provoke rage. When reality punctures their narrative, which really does happen constantly, this is the rage that you so often see. They feel that they've been tricked, lied to, manipulated. Trying to make them understand that they either did before or do now believe things that are not true makes no difference. For narcissists, it's very simple. That which one believes is fact. That which one does not believe is not fact. If objective experience does not support the narcissist's beliefs, it will automatically be interpreted in order to do so. There is a legitimately delusional aspect to this that is not spoken about enough. Many of these personalities are walking around in a mild, chronic, psychotic state all the time, and they can be pushed into a more acutely psychotic state at the onset of what is arguably very little stress. The stress of something as simple as making a decision about what to have for dinner can bring on paranoia, ideas of reference, thought intrusion, thought blocking, and other examples of disorganized thinking. 
As an aside, this is likely one of the reasons narcissists may be misdiagnosed with things that can include psychosis, such as schizophrenic and bipolar disorders. The clinician or the therapist might not recognize what they actually are looking at. They might not recognize it as pathological narcissism. In other words, many don't, unfortunately. But they can see the paranoia and the delusion and the disorganized thinking. They can see some measure of the overall difficulty with thinking and perception and processing and just with life in general that this person is having. So they diagnose them with something that is a severe mental illness. That is significant because these diagnoses, even when they're incorrect, still reflect the level of cognitive, perceptual, and emotional difficulty these personalities generally are having. And this makes sense. As we stated so many times in episodes of the show, these people are an illusion. They have a non-integrated identity and must, quote, perform a false self, a pseudo-integrated identity, in order to receive the feedback reflections from other people that they require for self-regulation purposes. In a very real way, they don't exist. Denial of all the things that threaten this precarious existence is more than necessary. It's absolutely imperative for survival. A person who cannot regulate themselves in the way that we're talking about is headed for catastrophic collapse, which is very often literally life-threatening. Unfortunately, this means the survival of pathologically narcissistic personalities is essentially predicated on lies, denial, and manipulation. This results in their relationships with other people being unstable at best. That's a problem because narcissists are genuinely dependent on these relationships. The people on the other side of the relationship don't necessarily matter in and of themselves, but the relationship itself and how the narcissist is perceived in that relationship does matter a lot. The other person or people involved in relationship with narcissists are literally a mirror in which the narcissist gazes into to see who they are. This is why they never see you. When you look into a mirror, you don't see the mirror. You see yourself reflected back to you. This is a big part of what supply is for narcissists, and it's why many people who think of themselves as, quote, good supply or grade A supply find out that they're mistaken. As soon as you have seen the narcissist make one mistake, be wrong about anything, as soon as you have seen that they're anything less than perfect, you're no longer grade A supply, period. This is not about the other person and how great they are. It has never been about that and it never will be. It is only, ever, and always about the narcissist. Narcissists choose people based on utility, not identity. In other words, who somebody is as a person does not matter at all. In many ways, it could be anybody who had the same status, attributes, or whatever other attractive quality. This is not necessarily a conscious act. It can be, of course, but it's also simply the way that they view the world. Identity means nothing to narcissists, and really, why would it? This is something that many people have trouble understanding, but it's the truth, and the better we can recognize that, the easier understanding these personalities becomes. This is not about anybody else, ever. No matter what they say, no matter how it looks, it is not about anybody else ever. If you look at any situation involving a narcissist, you will see that. It's only our egos that tell us that it's about us. We really only have to look to see. The effects of denial in relationships of any kind with narcissists can be devastating. It's true that they only care about things that affect them and so by extension would only deny things that are connected to them, but since they're egocentric, they believe everything is connected to them, that everything affects them, which means denial of other people's basic realities is standard practice in these relationships. The problem is the narcissist's fantasy image, their performed narrative of who they are and by extension who others are in relation to them and how life is in general is completely incongruent with reality. 
it does not match up with people's subjective experience of this person and what life with them is like. It doesn't really match up with the narcissist's subjective experience either, by the way. That's why they have to practice denial. This inconsistency generally asserts itself almost immediately, and this is a threat to the narcissist. Because they are so limited, their only defense against this is just to claim that it isn't true, and that's what they do. The fact that this actually denies the realities of other people, which can cause them serious psychic and emotional damage, likely does not occur to narcissists, and it's extremely unlikely that they would care even if it did. After all, you're denying their reality, you're causing them serious psychic and emotional damage, their narrative of reality doesn't match up with actuality, so the damage they're sustaining isn't your fault in any way, nor is it even reasonable to get upset about it at all, but that doesn't occur to them either, and again, it wouldn't matter if it did. Remember, this is about them only, always, and ever. Because of this, dealing with narcissistic personalities includes almost constant gaslighting, both intentional and the type that occurs as the result of vastly differing perceptions and a huge amount of ego trauma. The ego is the part of us that speaks as I. Ego trauma then consists of attacks on your sense of self and who you believe yourself to be. Because the narcissist's image of themselves is dependent on the participation of others, in some ways it really only exists in comparisons and relation to other people. In other words, it has no merits of its own. It can only be seen when there's something else to contrast it with. This means, for example, that narcissists can only be good if by comparison somebody else is bad or can be made to look bad. They can only be the hero if by comparison someone else is the victim. These comparisons and relations to others are the engine that make this vehicle go. They are, in fact, the entire substance of the narcissistic false self of this performed narrative, which is the only identity narcissists really have. It must be contrasted against other people. For all intents and purposes, without being compared or related to others in some way, without being bounced off of them and reflected, in other words, these people wouldn't really exist at all. In a very real way, their identity is entirely predicated on other people. In order to preserve and protect their identity narrative then, this means that narcissists have to have narratives about other people too. And they have to behave according to those narratives about other people in order to perform their own which means treating other people as if they really are what the narcissist needs them to be by comparison, either for good or for bad. They will be treated like a villain if the narcissist need to be the victim. They will be treated like a victim if the narcissist need to be the hero. They will be treated like a loser if the narcissist needs to be the winner. They will be treated like an idiot if the narcissist needs to be the genius, etc. This results in massive ego trauma for the people around these personalities because they are relentlessly being reacted to, interacted with, and constantly treated as if they genuinely are somebody that they're not. It's like accidentally walking onto a movie set where they've been shooting the movie for months and you're playing an already existing role that you're unaware you've even been given. People are reacting to you in ways that you have no context for and don't understand. They're referencing things that you have no idea about because the character you're suddenly and unknowingly playing did those things, not you. You have no idea what anybody is talking about or why they're reacting to you the way they are or why they're treating you the way that they do. Narcissistic personalities have a very old script that they are using and you are very likely not the first person to have played the exact same role in this performance. The people playing the roles might change, but the roles themselves never change at all because the performed identity of the narcissist is always the same and so is the story that they use to get it over. 
It's like watching a Shakespearean play. The story is always the same. The roles are always the same. Only the actors are different. This is why people can go from being a villain to a savior or a winner to a loser and vice versa. The roles are always the same and who plays them does not matter. If you're dealing with a narcissistic personality, understand that their reality is not the same as yours. It's really not. And they are nowhere near as psychologically adaptable and flexible as you are. When you are asking them to be honest, for example, or to change a behavior, it's very likely you're asking them to do something that for all intents and purposes, they legitimately cannot do without incurring extreme psychological damage. Even if they could, it's very likely the fear and the shame bundled with this would stop them from even considering it. This is one of the biggest reasons prognosis for pathological narcissism is so poor. Not only is the personality structure rigid and set up to deny anything that can even be construed as negative or bad, not only are their behaviors experienced as egocentric for the most part, which means that the things they do don't cause them discomfort in comparison to their self-image, which is likely due in part to their ability to deny, justify, and to their extremely skewed perception, but even if they do see a problem of some kind, the disproportionate fear and shame attached to these things stops them from addressing or even acknowledging it a large majority of the time. They simply will not do it. And anyone who has dealt with one of these personalities can attest to how far they will go in order to avoid that. So what does this mean for you? It means that if you've been dealing with a pathologically narcissistic personality, you've likely been being relentlessly forced into a reality that does not match your actuality. This is often very confusing for people and it can be very damaging. And even if you've never been confused about the things and always thought that they were crazy, the frustration and the pain of being unseen and unheard is bad enough just on its own. You're not in a real relationship with another person. You don't even really exist in the relationship at all because they don't. It's almost like that movie, The NeverEnding Story. The whole relationship is a space that exists solely in the imaginations of the people that are involved. Without that to fuel the creation of the space and make it into something, there's just nothing left. If you are dealing with a pathologically narcissistic personality, it's important to stay very grounded in your objective experience and to not attempt to use narcissists for reality testing. That would be like asking a blind cat if the color you just painted your living room works with your furniture. Not only can they not see it, they have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. A narcissist's perception is skewed, their cognition is affected, it's completely unstable and based solely upon what they're feeling in any given moment, and they may lie on top of all that if there's an angle they can exploit or a benefit for them in some way. They are the exact wrong person to ask about whether reality makes sense or not. If they're the only person that's around, either wait until somebody else is around, or even better, work on trusting and validating yourself. Under no circumstances should you allow a narcissist's perception or narrative of reality to supplant or replace your own. It's not a good idea to let them have any influence in any way, to be perfectly honest. It sounds harsh, but it's probably not overstating it to say that in many situations, a narcissist's perception of events likely should not even be considered at all. It's simply too skewed, too unstable, and too egocentric to be relied upon in any situation, but most especially situations that involve them or anything that affects them. Since they're so egocentric, that means everything. Their perception of reality only works for and benefits them at the expense of other people 99% of the time. This includes you. We don't use the words never or always on this channel very often because most things really should not be spoken about in absolute terms, but narcissistic personalities are never safe enough to have a level of influence over anything so important, ever.
Their understanding of the world does not include consideration or even awareness of the rights, feelings, experiences, perceptions, or even the actual reality of other people as people. If it has not been made clear by now, let's make it clear. Pathologically narcissistic people are not living in the same reality as other people. They are not reliable narrators of anything due to their perception problems, their slavish dedication to their own interests, and their flexible relationship with the truth. Their only weapon against reality and the constant extreme threat that reality represents to their narrative is denial. This results in the relentless denial of the reality's perception and experiences of other people because nobody else's experience of the narcissist matches up with the narcissist's identity narrative of themselves. Though this is a primitive, even infantile defense mechanism, it can result in serious damage to people who are subjected to it, especially children. The best way to combat this is to understand what's going on and why it's happening. The fact is, denial has no effect on reality. Reality doesn't care whether you believe in it or not. Things still are whatever they are. A narcissist's identity narrative doesn't change who they really are or are not, as the case may be. Their identity narrative of you doesn't change who you are either. It's up to you to make sure your own self-image doesn't become polluted with their garbage opinions. Nobody should ever have the ability to tell you what to think of you. Stay grounded, don't internalize foolishness, and learn to validate yourself. When you truly accept yourself for who you are, when you really know who you are and who you are not, it makes it much easier to view these opinions for what they really are. The desperate attempt of a very limited, arrested personality to live in a literal fantasy world where they are not as limited by pretending everyone else is more limited than they are. It's ridiculous bullshit, in other words, and it doesn't deserve your validation. I hope that clears a few things up for you. As always, I look forward to your comments, questions, and suggestions, so please keep those coming. I take appointments online, over the phone, via text, via messenger, via email, and through Skype worldwide. So if you're interested in speaking with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that. I teach workshops, clinics, and seminars, so if you're interested in seeing what we're running this month, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that. And if you would like to join our support group with access to exclusive content and and weekly support meetings, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that. We've opened up subscriptions on the channel, so if you're interested in seeing what the perks for that are, you can use the link down below in the description of this video. You've been listening to the Meditations and More podcast brought to you by BetterHelp.com and littleshaman.org. That's me, Little Shaman. May the Great Spirit bless you. Have a beautiful day.